Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. You know, it's getting up on Christmas time. We are in that season, I think, for those of us that have survived 2020 thus far. Um, Christmas time seems to offer a little bit of normalcy, maybe reacquainting us with something that is a little bit bigger than 21st century pestilence and pandemics. And so I hope that this Christmas time, this season, affords you an opportunity to just reflect on the goodness of God in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue people like you and me from our sin. And hallelujah, it is written, it shall be fully completed that one day we're not only going to escape the presence, excuse me, the penalty of sin, but the very presence of sin. Isn't that awesome? It's going to be awesome that the eternal state is going to be completely free of sin. You know which sin I'm going to be so encouraged that is no longer around? To me, it's the worst sin in the world, and I cannot wait for it to be gone. Do you know what it is? It's my sin. My sin to me is the worst sin in the world, and I cannot wait to enter into that heavenly reality because of what Jesus has done in coming as a baby, living as the perfect man, dying as the sacrificial lamb, and rising as the triumphant king. I am so thankful that um, he is eventually going to bring me out of the very presence of sin and the potential for sin. It's going to be gone. And hallelujah, I can't wait until that day happens. And until then, we keep pressing in by faith and we are being delivered from the power of sin. And one of the things that I want to talk to you about in this season that we're living in is how do we overcome the power of sin? How do we overcome that which seems to pull us down like spiritual gravity and hold us to an earthbound existence. Well, I believe without any hesitancy that part of the equation is the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifting and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for several weeks, we have been doing a podcast series on the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know how much longer it will go. Probably um, I don't know, maybe into the new year and beyond. I mean, I just feel like it's such an important teaching and I do believe things are going to become much more challenging for Christians in the Western hemisphere. And we're just not going to be able to lean on any crutches anymore. We're either going to have the Holy Spirit and triumph or we're going to be acting independently of the Holy Spirit. And that's not going to be pretty. And so I'm believing and speaking a better word over us that we are going to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that actually has specifics. What does that mean? Well, part of what that means is operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And those gifts have been our focus for several weeks. And I want to continue with that today. Have you ever wondered why we're called, those of us that are, charismatics? Charismatic. When Before I was saved and a believer, when I heard the term charismatic, I always pictured some ultra smooth, suave dude who had a charismatic personality. He was winsome. He was cool. He was slick with the girls or whatever. I mean, it was just kind of a suave kind of connotation to me. But the word charismatic is so much more um, meaningful than just a winsome personality. Uh, The word as we use it, charismatic, is actually a Bible word. It's so Bible that it's original language Bible. It is Greek, and our New Testament was written in Greek. 
And when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's really only two words that are regularly used to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it is two words that I'll go briefly over with you right here. The first word is pneumatikos or pneumatikos. And that is actually the word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, which we studied when he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed. Well, the word pneumatikos is actually a, an adjective and it simply means spirituals. And it, the word gifts is actually not used in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It's literally the word pneumatikos and it just means the spirituals or even more generally spiritual things. And they're later described in 1 Corinthians 12 using the term that we're more familiar with. And that term is the charismata. Charismata, you hear the sound. It's the same sound as the word charismatic. And that is the word that we are much more familiar with when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, pneumatikos is an adjective, like I mentioned in Greek, and like the English word is usually supplied by the Bible translators. And so it's this word pneumatikos or pneumatikos is translated in various places in the Bible as spiritual things and or spiritual gifts. And sometimes like the noun that it's describing is supplied and we find phrases like spiritual meat, spiritual drink, spiritual rock, spiritual songs, spiritual body, spiritual blessings, spiritual sacrifices. Those are always, those are found in the Bible. And, but when the, when the noun isn't supplied, it's left up to interpretation. So here in first Corinthians 12, one, the translators supplied the word gifts. What Paul really said is now concerning the spirituals, brother, I don't want you to be uninformed. And then he starts unpacking what these spiritual things are. And it's when he uses the word charisma or in the plural charismata. And that Greek word means a graciously given gift or a gift that comes through grace. And that's the word that most of you are familiar with. And when we're talking about spiritual gifts and we're using the term charismatic, it is not some kind of uh, extra biblical term. It is deep in the scriptures and it is actually connected to the original term the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul and other writers, charismata. And so Paul would use that, that same word in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, when he said, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, a charisma, to strengthen you. He says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts, the charismata, and the calling of God are irrevocable. He says in Romans 12, 6, and that's a big chapter on the gifts of the Holy Spirit too. Romans 12 and in verse 6, he says, having gifts, having charismata that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so over and over, you're going to find, and including in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that we've been studying, you're going to find the word charismata. And that is a word that means a graciously given gift or a gift that comes to a person via grace. So when we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to make a distinction that we're not just talking about, um, you know, somebody using their own natural talents or abilities. It's really important that we recognize that. That's um, part of why we want to emphasize the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because if we don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the only thing we've got is natural resources. We're just offering a better version of whatever it is that we've got to offer. It's a new and improved us. 
And that's not the nature of ministry nor gifting in the kingdom. It is an otherworldly gift that may work in conjunction with your natural gifts, but it's not the same as your natural gifts. And so let me say this. The Bible teaches for every single saved person, everybody who has believed in Jesus Christ and crowned him spiritually as the Lord of their life, you have at least one spiritual gift. You probably have more, but you are in possession of the charismata. And it is so important that we stress that, that whether you believe it or not, biblically speaking, you are a charismatic because you have a charisma or you have charismata. And so I like to tell my friends that, my cessationist friends, I like to say, hey, bro, you don't have to believe it or not, but I'm going to tell you, biblically speaking, you're a charismatic whether you want to be one or not. I remember hearing a well-known Southern Baptist preacher stand before his massive congregation back in the early 2000s, and he said, I'm here to take the pulpit today, and I want you to know I am a charismatic, and I'm about to explain to you why. And what he did is he gave the Southern Baptist definition of the gifts, but he was saying we all have spiritual gifts. Even though this particular pastor didn't believe in the gifts that I believe in, he was theologically accurate by saying, I'm a charismatic, even though I'm a Southern Baptist pastor. And no, he didn't speak in tongues and he didn't prophesy and he didn't, you know, heal the sick and so on and so on. But he recognized that having any gift of the Holy Spirit makes us, biblically speaking, a charismatic. So I give you that. Anybody that wants to do that, what they want, have, have free reign with it. But we are all in possession of spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. Um, very clearly, we are commanded to desire and pursue greater spiritual gifts. And that's a proactive part of us living out our faith. We are commanded to continue to pursue greater spiritual gifting from the Holy Spirit. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. 1 Corinthians 14.1 and 1 Corinthians 14.39, we are told to pursue and eagerly desire, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So I appreciate the fact that a lot of you speak in tongues. You got baptized in the Holy Spirit way back when. But here's the question. Are you growing in spiritual gifts? Are you actually continuing to pursue and ask for other spiritual gifts that haven't manifested in your life? Because the Bible says we're to do that. What's very interesting to me is the church at Corinth to whom Paul was writing was misusing the spiritual gifts all over the place. They were, they were entering into chaos when they gathered together to worship and, and they weren't properly using the spiritual gifts in maturity and in love. It's very interesting that Paul never told them, stop using the gifts, this isn't going well. He never said that. What he did is he actually told them, you need to pursue A, love, and by implication, spiritual maturity. But he also said, you need to keep going after the gifts. You need to keep pursuing spiritual gifts. And so the answer to the misuse of spiritual gifts is not the disuse of spiritual gifts. You don't stop using gifts because they've been abused somewhere at some time. The, the best antidote to the abuse of spiritual gifts is the biblical use of spiritual gifts. And so we, we are very, very strong on saying continue to pursue spiritual gifts. Some of you have been charismatics your whole life, but you haven't grown beyond that initial baptism wherein you spoke in tongues. Come on now. If we're using gifts the way they're given in the Bible, we're told to use them to build up the body of Christ. And you can't do that if you're, you're operating on last year or last decade's spiritual encounter. So we've got to continue to pursue the Lord and ask him and, and zealously seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, these aren't the same thing as natural skills and talents. When we're talking about the charismata, these are gifts. They're spiritual. They're supernatural in their nature because they are derived from God himself, God the Spirit. 
Now, they can be facilitated through your natural gifting. I'm not saying you shouldn't be naturally gifted or you should stay away from your natural gifts. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm teaching at all, but I'm just saying they're not the same, so you can't rely on your natural gifting. Um, before I did this podcast, let me tell you what I do. And I've been, I've been preaching, teaching, and speaking for the Lord out of the Bible for, since 1994. So I have some naturally developed gifts and ability. I am a natural speaker anyway. Even before I was saved, I was always the dude running his mouth about something. But before I started the podcast today, do you know what I did? I stopped. I turned down everything. I got still before the Lord and I said, I have to have your anointing. I have to have your touch. I literally said with my mouth, I can't rely on my gifts. I won't rely on my gifts. Lord, I can't help anybody if you don't give me utterance and you don't bring to them ears to hear and hearts to believe. And so why do I point that out? Not to prove that I'm super spiritual, but to prove to you I practice what I preach. Why? Because I don't trust my natural talents. My natural talents can't facilitate supernatural results. And so we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation when we're teaching, both in the one teaching and the one hearing. And so I appreciate the fact some of you have some really great natural gifting. That's good. Don't apologize for that. But it's not enough. And so the great glory comes to God when he takes your natural gifting and he wraps them in his supernatural gifting. And he uses you in a way that you could never facilitate on your own. That only comes through a partnership with the Holy Spirit. And that never comes by accident. And so we don't want to be uh, unclear here. All of us, no matter how long we've been saved, no matter how gifted we are, we need to pursue greater encounter with the Lord, greater supernatural gifting from the Lord. And as, as we do so, I want us also to do this. I want us to understand that spiritual gifts, the charismata, they're best recognized, they're best honed, and they're best facilitated by faith. It's not so much exertion as it is dependence upon the Lord. So we've got to be in close fellowship with the Holy Spirit to fruitfully exercise the gifts that he gives us. Um, say, well, Jeff, what, what do you mean? Well, you got to remember the Holy Spirit's a person. Uh, he, he's not a human. He's a personhood. He's a, he's a being and he's God. And the Bible speaks in terms of him having a personality an intellect and a will. He's not a force. He's not a lightning bolt from God. He's not the force like in Star Wars. He is God and he's God in you. And so we, we have to facilitate his gifts by faith and by partnership and fellowship with him. You know, remember Ephesians 4.30, it tells us don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. You can't grieve him. Don't, bring, don't break his heart, so to speak. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 tells us not to quench the Holy Spirit. We grieve who he is, but we quench what he does. We douse the flame. Isn't that amazing that we, little old us, have the ability to put out the flame of God in our own lives if we quench the Holy Spirit? And so all of that illustrates that we need to be sensitive to the partnership that we have with the Holy Spirit. And when we do so, we're better suited to use the gifts that he has given us. And so I hope that that kind of gets you thinking um, more so about your own interaction with the Lord. So how are you doing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Now, some of you are hungry and you're, you're seeking the Lord and you're, you, you've never experienced what you would consider supernatural um, evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, Jeff, it's frustrating. I just haven't seen the breakthrough. Well, you know what I'm going to tell you to do? You, you keep pursuing until you see the breakthrough.
I know I prayed as a former cessationist who became theologically convinced of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I had my theology straight, but I had never experienced it. And for close to a year, I was encouraged to pray, Lord, give me all that you have for me. It sounds a little trite. It sounds a little flippant, but it was all I knew to say because I didn't have any, I didn't have any grid for what the Holy Spirit gifts were like. I wasn't hanging around with any charismatics. I had one charismatic voice in my life. Uh, she was probably in her mid to late forties, maybe 50 years old. Her name was Deborah and she was an African American lady who was full of the joy of the Lord. And she looked at me as a Baptist. She said, you're going to get filled with the spirit one day. And when you do, everything's going to change. And I told her, okay, what do I do? And she said, ask God to give you all that he has for you. And I actually felt foolish when I first started praying it, but I prayed it for nine months and then hallelujah, my goodness, did God answer that prayer in an undeniable way in February of 2003. And I'll have time to go into that. If you want to know about that, you can read all about it in my book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and you can get that on Amazon or jefflyle.com. I encourage you to get a copy if you've never read it because it gives details to this season of my life where I was pressing in for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And primarily it was just through this really sad prayer of, God, give me everything you've got for me. I don't know what that means, but it sounds right. And the Lord took that weak prayer that I refused to give up on, and he brought breakthrough. And I promise you, if you'll continue to do that, and don't just go after tongues. Oh, my goodness. So many people just, well, I, need the, I need the gift of tongues. I need the gift of tongues. I need the gift of tongues. Well, the gift of tongues is marvelous, and it's great, but there's a whole bunch of other gifts. So trust the Lord and say, Lord, give me what you have for me, and then honor him by using what he gives you. And again, it's all done by faith. So as we're thinking about this and I, I'm, the remaining time I've got, I probably won't go too far on another, um, on another topic, but what, what, what do we do with the gifts? How do we use them? What, what are some of the commands in scripture? Because a lot of people have a take it or leave it attitude about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say strongly, you're not allowed to do that. That is an illegal attitude in the kingdom of God. You're not allowed to have a take it or leave it mindset about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, you can take it or you can leave it, but your attitude cannot be take it or leave it like it doesn't matter. It matters significantly. And so some people have chosen to leave it. Some people have said, yeah, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's not, that's not anything I'm interested in. Okay. I would just say lovingly and kindly, but truthfully, then you're a lot likely to experience anything from the gifts of the Holy Spirit because God typically doesn't entrust a gift to somebody who doesn't want to use it. And so you may be in this cycle of saying, yeah, if I'm, I've asked God for the gifts, but he never gave them to me. Therefore, they're not real. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things in the kingdom that God doesn't just toss to the first person who requests. Jesus taught us, don't cast your pearls before the swines. And I'm going to tell you, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are too precious for the Lord to entrust them to people who are cavalier uh, concerning what they're going to do with them if they ever get the gifts. But for those that will press in and show that this is important to them because the Bible says it's important and the early Christians used it, then friends, you're likely to get an answer to your prayer quicker than you think as you press in for the gifts. But here's some commands. Here's, here are some commands right out of your Bible concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in this whole series. And here's a verse from chapter 14. Um, chapter 14, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians says this, Pursue love 
and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, friends, I don't know a single Christian in the world that would say the command to pursue love is not binding anymore. I don't know any Christian that would say that God, you know, that command stopped at the end of the first century. Well, look, at it's in the same sentence. It's pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. How can one part of that sentence be clearly true and binding on us today, and then we blow off the other part? Well, hopefully you're not blowing it off, and if you're not, it's just a refresher. We're commanded to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, not take it or leave it, not ho-hum, but earnestly desire them. That means go after it, and especially prophecy. Wow, that's a mind blower. All, everybody's going after tongues, it seems like, but, but the Bible says, and we'll, we'll talk about this later, um, the Bible says that prophecy is a far more valuable gift than tongues. And so we are to go after the spiritual gifts, all of them, especially that we prophesy. Here's another command, same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Paul is saying to them, so with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That's so important. Paul says, since you really, really want the Holy Spirit to manifest in your life, really go after the gifts that result in the church being excellently built up. You see, tongues, he's comparing tongues and prophecy in that passage, and he, people were really flaunting the gift of tongues, and Paul was trying to tell him, tongues are great, but tongues build up the tongue talker. They don't build up the audience unless there's an interpretation. And so Paul would go on to regulate saying, hey, y'all don't even need to be speaking in tongues and, and publicly in gatherings unless there's an interpretation. That'll, that'll bust the mindset of a lot of charismatics, by the way. I can't wait till we get to teach on that. But Paul says, but if you prophesy, it builds somebody up every single time that gift is used. And he said, strive to excel in building up the church. So your gift is for you to build up other Christians. It's to build up other people. It's not so everybody can think you're the cool charismatic lady or the cool charismatic guy. It's not so people be impressed with our gifts. It's so that we can actually build up other Christians. That's why God gave the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so in regarding tongues, Paul says, and again, in 1 Corinthians 14, here we go. Here's a command. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Here's a command. Let all things be done for building up. Verse 27, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and everybody in their own turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Man, we are flagrantly disobeying that command in the Bible regarding the gift of tongues. Now, friends, I'm going to leave this to you, how you're going to apply it personally, but our pastors and our leaders, and I am a pastor and I understand this, and it's, it's hard sometimes to enforce these things, and especially in a large auditorium or a large church gathering when the spirit is moving. There's always somebody that wants to yell out in tongues, but look at what the Bible says. The Bible says very clearly in a public gathering, we need to focus on the gifts that build people up. Paul's already established that tongues if they're not interpreted, build up nobody. That's when he said, I'd rather speak five words in my language, in a known language, than 10,000 words in a tongue. And he says, if you do speak in tongues, it should only be in the public gathering, two or three people at the most, and let somebody interpret. And if there's nobody there to interpret, 
then don't be speaking out in tongues. It says literally you can keep silent or you can speak to yourself, uh, speak to yourself in God. And so when I'm in a corporate worship gathering and I don't have what I would consider the prophetic gift of tongues. In other words, I don't, I don't know, but maybe one time in my entire life where I've given a tongue in a public gathering and had it interpreted and it served as a prophetic word. Most of the time for me, I'm praying in tongues. I'm singing in tongues. I'm usually by myself. And if I'm in a gathered service where the Lord is moving and I feel the need to pray in the spirit or sing in the spirit, I do it very soft. I sometimes put my hands over my mouth because I so regard the word of God on this that I don't want to violate the scriptures simply by saying I couldn't help myself. I want to say, oh, I want to honor the Lord. I want to give expression to this moving of the spirit in me, but I don't have anybody here to interpret me. So I'm going to do it between me and God. And I do it softly where it doesn't cause a disturbance in the church service. I encourage my charismatic friends to study that out and to practice the plain teaching uh, of scripture there. And then in our time, time uh, that we have left, let me just touch on this. Here's some more commands um, regarding prophetic ministry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 30, let two or three prophets speak and the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another setting there, let the first prophet be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged and then in verse 32, a very important principle, he says, the spirit of prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. What's Paul talking about there? He's talking about the dueling prophets that are in the church at Corinth and everybody wants to have the best word and the last word. And so they were operating in arrogance and Paul's saying, hey guys, come on, don't prophesy all over each other. If you're prophesying and then somebody else gets a word, you be quiet, let them go. And then it, it shouldn't be uh, having uh, overlap and interruption and, and competition. Everybody share the prophetic word that God has given and let there be two or three recognized prophets. In other words, it's not a free-for-all. In a local church gathering, in a gathering of believers, there should be people that are recognized as um, people that, that have credibility in prophetic ministry and they should speak. And if you're new to a congregation or you feel like you have a prophetic word, seek out a leader, an elder in that congregation, share and submit the word to that leader or elder, and they can determine whether it gets released to the entire body. You've done your part when you release it to the elder. But if you're not a known voice, then you shouldn't presume to have the right to stand up and speak because the Bible clear, uh, is clear here. And it says, God is not a God of confusion and he is a God of peace. And so again, 1 Corinthians 14, 39 and 40, here's the last command. We'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll actually just end with this one. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently in order. Do not forbid speaking in tongues and earnestly desire to prophesy. Now I, I remember when I was studying out for myself what to believe about the gifts of the spirit. And I came across first Corinthians 14 39. And I read in the word of God that the Bible said earnestly desire to prophesy. We were taught that that couldn't happen anymore, regardless of the fact the scriptures say not only can it happen, we should pursue it. But then it said, do not forbid people to speak in tongues.
Now, friends, this is mind-blowing to me because I considered myself back in that day a Bible believer, and yet I was clearly in a church under written bylaws in a denomination and pastoring a little bit later on in a way that stood in direct opposition to that very clear command in Scripture. It's a negative imperative. That's what it's called. It just It's a thou shalt not. Thou shalt not forbid people from speaking in tongues. And yet that's exactly what I was doing. And I remember coming across that verse, and, and I don't want to over-dramatize it, but I remember trembling a little saying, oh my goodness, our bylaws and our church are wrong about this. I've preached this the wrong way. I had preached in the prison early on and a guy stood up and talked in tongues and I told him to sit down. I literally said to him, dude, you don't have enough of the Holy Spirit to quit smoking. What makes you think that I'm going to let you stand up and pretend to speak in tongues? I was very cruel and unkind, called out his sin and then mocked the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't, isn't God's grace amazing? You know, I mean, God, God could have just blown me into smithereens. He could have, he could have taken my ministry from me for being arrogant and, and cruel to that prisoner and calling him out. But he didn't do any of that. Um, instead, the Lord let me learn the hard way. By the way, that prisoner and I became very, very good friends, and I later apologized for that. But my point being is this, is I was forbidding him from doing the very thing that, that, that the Scriptures say are <laughs> valid. He was speaking in tongues. He was actually singing in tongues. And there I was saying, stop it. And there was my Bible having said for 2000 years, don't forbid people from doing it, but let it be done decently and in order. Um, to all of you out there, maybe you're a leader, you're a pastor or a missionary or just a Christian. And you're part of a, uh, a representation of the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And your practice is to forbid tongues because you don't believe in it, you don't understand it, and you think it's unnecessary. I'm just going to ask you, can you honor the word of God, whether or not you ever speak in tongues, but can you honor the word of God enough to say, I'm going to obey this command. I am not going to forbid tongues. I'm going to pursue prophecy, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, I'm going to use my gifts to serve others. Can you do that? Because that's what the word of God commands us to do. For my charismatic friends out there, um, can you and I, can we honor the word of God by not allowing the misuse of gifts to go on week after week, month after month, year after year? Can we put up some guardrails? We got the green lights on the Holy Spirit. We can go with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is all green light, but there are guardrails. There are parameters and there are instructions about how we're to use those gifts. And so as we close today, I've given you something biblical to think about. Green lights that the gifts are a go. Guardrails that it's not no holds barred. It's not a free for all that there are literally some parameters by which we must operate in the gifts of the spirit. And when we say yes to the gifts of the spirit and we use the gifts of the spirit as the Bible defines, then we have opportunity for those gifts to do great work as we minister to one another. And when we use them properly as charismatics, as those that believe in the charismata, then those that don't believe in the gifts will see them properly used and they'll be able to say, oh, I now see the value in this, whereas before it looked like chaos and weirdness to me. Now I see that these gifts are given by God for the glory of God to build up the people of God. 
Hope that helps you today. And we will see you next time on Mass, uh, <laughs> Misfits and Mavericks and Misfits. Wow. Been a long day. And we'll see you next time. But listen, before I sign off, I want to encourage you. Go to transformingtruth.org. Check out the website. I've written a couple of blogs recently that I think will help you at transformingtruth.org. Don't forget, my book is available there. I really want to get a copy of that into your hands as we approach the new year. You can get a copy of the book at jefflyle.com. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you want to hear me narrate it, I recorded a narrated version on audible.com. That book tells how God took me from an abandoned child through years of rebellion and drugs and alcohol into the world of fundamentalist religion, out of the world of fundamentalist religion and into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about how God has done some incredible things in the last 10 years. And I want you to be able to see the glory of God as he has done such great things on my behalf and those that I'm doing life with. I think that book will be a blessing to you. It's called Figuring It Out As I Go, and I hope you'll get a copy of it. Listen, if you don't tune in before the end of the year, let me just wish you all a very happy and much happier 2021. We're all saying sayonara to 2020 and trusting that we'll experience the goodness of God in the land of the living in 2021. We'll see you next time. God bless. To connect with Jeff, visit maverickmisfit.com where you'll find all his social media links, video resources, his book, Figuring It Out As I Go, and his weekly Transforming Truth blog. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.